0: This new book is really inspired by growing up in New York and that kind of like Jewish grandma idea of always being ready to feed someone in your kitchen, being your center for hospitality in your life. For me, it's always been through this lens of Jewish joy because of the fact that that's actually how I was sheltered and exposed to Judaism.
1: You're listening to Your Jewish Life Your Way with Karen Cinnamon. The podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2023. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life your way with easy simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching, we're talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out Yala, forget about the right and wrong ways to be jewish it's time to create a jewish life you love living hello how you doing karen cinnamon here your host of the your jewish life your way podcast show how are you I'm well, I'm excited, super excited for today's episode because it's with my good friend Jake Cohen. We met in person in Israel of all places about a year and a half ago and we had a blast together. He is such a warm, inspiring and fun person to be around. And can you imagine hanging out in Tel Aviv with Jake, eating food in Tel Aviv with Jake, Jake finding the best restaurants honestly it was such a trip it was such a good time and that bond is there and we've we've been in touch ever since so he's a great friend and i wanted him on the podcast to share his wisdom share his thoughts about celebrating jewish joy through a culinary lens we talked about so many things though not just food not just jewish food but about feeling pride community connection We also obviously talked about his new book coming out, which I'm really, really excited to try some of the recipes. Most notably, there's a monkey bread challah recipe, which I am making the minute I I can get my hands dirty with that book. You'll find me sharing results of that on Instagram, but I digress. I could nosh, it's his new book coming out in September. I'll put the pre-order link in the show notes, or you can order it maybe if you're listening to this podcast after September the 12th. But I wanted him to share his inspiration for that book. And we talked about so many things from Jake being told that Jewish food was too niche when he started out, to hitting the New York Times bestseller list. Yes, this nice Jewish boy hit the New York Times bestseller list at such young age with a, inverted commas, niche cookbook. And also what I love is we talk about bringing back grandma hospitality with his new book and so much more, so much more. So hang out with us, join in the conversation, snap a screenshot of your phone or your computer, or have you have you listening to this podcast, tag us at Your Jewish Life and Jake Cohen and join in. So here we go, with Jake. So welcome, Jake. It's so fun to have you on. I miss you. When did we see each other? It was couple
0: of a couple weeks ago. I
1: wish. It was so just
0: a couple weeks ago. It does
1: feel like that. It was back in May. Jake and I. No. And... Yes, it was. I was in New York. In oh May. my God.
0: <laughs> so we're record- feel, it feels like it was three weeks ago.
1: We're recording this at the at tip end of July, just before the episode comes out. I'm honored to be one of the very first people to talk to Jake about his new book in depth. I mean, we talk about lots of other stuff, but I want to get stuck into the new book. I could nosh. I want to hear about how the title, I mean, we're going there. <laughs> this is just going to be so fun. We're going to dive in and we'll get to the juicy meaty bits but I want to start with look at the end of the day there's not that many guests that I've interviewed so far that I know everybody listening knows who you are you're so loved you're out there like how did you get here why are you the person I'm talking to about reinventing Jewish food in such an engaging fun way we need more fun right we need to rebrand Judaism as more fun (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we talk about this often about the the lens of Jewish joy, and I think it's I think it's twofold. I always knew that like this like sphere of food is where I wanted to be. I, I always say people like I was like, oh, how do how you get into this? How do you stumble into this? It was never like a stumbling. Like I am just incredibly blessed to be like living out my dream because this was always what I had planned, with the exception of the lens of Jewish food that was actually not planned but something that just happened because as i was exploring food and my background was was like traditional french and, and fine dining in new york you start to when i made the switch into media and i was i was working for different food magazines you want to be able to add to the conversation on food and too often there's just noise and this is this is the same in food as it is in every industry there's just lots of noise and I'll never forget, like it was like a Rosh Hashanah and they were looking around, there weren't many Jews on staff in the magazine and they like offered it to me, like, you wanna write a, a piece on a, a Rosh Hashanah recipe? And I said, yes, I ran with it. And it was just like the first time that I actually felt that I was adding to the conversation and not just adding to noise. So past that, it, it was just it just like devolved into, this is what I need to be focusing on. A, because it it is the perspective that I have around hospitality. Um, We'll like dive in, but like this new book is really inspired by growing up in New York and that kind of like Jewish grandma idea of always being ready to feed someone in your kitchen, being your your center for hospitality in your life. So uh, for me, it's always been through this lens of, I say, this last time I'm going to say lens, it's like my favorite word (laughs) of Jewish joy because of the fact that that's actually how i was like sheltered and exposed to judaism for so many jews of my generation it's like we are the grandchildren of survivors or the great grandchildren of survivors and now we're we're in this place in which so much sacrifice has happened so that we can grow up in a world that is just full of possibilities of what jewish identity can be what jewish culture can be and to me it is like the most important way to honor all of that sacrifice as is to find like a sustainable practice of jewish ritual
1: I mean, there's so much on pick there, but I w- want to rewind back to when you said about you were asked to do something about Rosh Hashanah, and I know you're ambitious I mean it's it's evident you you're going places you you're doing but you've only just begun and when you were asked to kind of do Rosh Hashanah Jewish, didn't that feel like you know I don't want to be like grandma cookbooks. I don't want to be in this kind of niche audience with just a couple of thousand people. like how did you not feel boxed by that?
0: yeah you know what i mean Um, you know what i know exactly i know exactly what you mean so this will this will kind of go into a, a into twofold the first part is it's like coming from this background in media i saw firsthand what it takes to have jewish recipes or stories out there and it really comes down to they would let us do it like twice a year maybe three times if we're lucky once at Passover, once at Hanukkah, and if we're lucky, Rosh Hashanah, um, and that's it. And the rest of the year, no, thank you.
1: Absolutely, no
0: interest. That you won't get, like, you won't get the assignment. Why? Because it's niche. Everything in the world we live in, we're like, like it's always through this, this this idea of like, what is going to sell, what is going to get clicks, what is going to be be popular, and and jewish food even though being in new york where you think of like culture as a whole and deli culture and and television it's like we are so integrated into the fabric of american food of new york cuisine all of it there's still this idea that it's lesser yes so when i got my first book deal for jewish the whole idea around it was like really we my husband and I didn't really grow up with Shabbat in our in our households. My husband like really never. Um, myself like maybe like once a year around Rosh Hashanah we do a family Shabbat. Oh
1: really? Um, you didn't do a Friday night dinner
0: regularly? No, we were oh. high holiday Jews. Like when I tell okay. you, it's like Passover strict, Rosh Hashanah strict, <laughs> Yom Kippur breakfast strict. The rest of the year non existent. Okay,
1: that's um, I didn't other know. than like
0: hebrew school all that stuff yes so it was something that we brought into our lives as adults and now it's it's what we do every week and we're very i mean a big hull every friday it's like it is truly can I, just,
1: I know we like yeah. i keep stopping you but can i just ask you how you brought into that because i hear a lot of married couples like they're busy their careers are. how did you make the time how did you both decide we want to do this we're going to invest the time in it because it is time consuming Some it like, yeah. can be
0: how it did you bring it most... into
1: your marriage
0: it's the most important Jewish ritual I think there is um, personally because of the fact that it is this way that really is an act of self-care. It requires like unplugging and recharging. It requires presence with loved ones and requires intention around connection. Um, And it was at a time in which we were kind of like really hungry for community in New York. You think of like big cities it's like full of people and yet it's actually so hard to make deep connections because everyone's so busy and all like like we talk all the time about like as a couple because it's our first year we're doing like a a share on fire island and we're living with friends and and we've always been wanting this this world in which we can like spend a week living with friends because Mm -hmm. when you actually do the math you can plan a year's worth of double dates with a couple and not like scratch even like a fraction of the amount of hours you spend with them of just spending a weekend away somewhere because that's New York. And so like with Shabbat, it's like, okay, how do we create an environment in which we can really connect and make friends? And that's what we did. And that's exactly what happened. And as a result, all these recipes came out of it. I became kind of like known in New York for the Shabbats. And it was just a a really kind of simple, easy transition of like, if I'm going to write a book, it's got to be about like how I've reclaimed Jewish food and modernized it and created this modern Shabbat practice. Amazing. It sold pretty quickly and easily, uh, I will say. The first actually iteration of the book was going to not be this. It was going to, this actually, I actually don't think I've actually spoken about this publicly. The, The first book proposal was called Helwa, which was my husband's uh, great grandmother's name and also Arabic for Arabic, sweet or beautiful. Yes. I
1: remember my mom using um, it a lot. Hello, yeah. yeah.
0: Can you do the Arabic and, accent? Uh, the, terribly, terribly, <laughs> terribly. I actually I make I make my mother in law like do like voice recordings of, of like some of the words. <laughs>
1: oh, brilliant.
0: <laughs> um, but the kind of idea was like I wanted it to be the first this love letter to my husband of like the first Iraqi Jewish archive of their family recipes. And That's that was beautiful. Rejected by everyone. Everyone was like, "It's too niche. No one's gonna buy it. There's no interest in that." Jewish. Hey. They're like, "Jewish food is niche enough to do a Rocky Jewish food is 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 too far." Like Gosh. some one person is like, "Oh, we actually already have a Jewish cookbook coming out, so we don't need a second oh, like God. so narrow. It, it, yeah. Again, it was what it's what I I, I saw it coming, and that's when I was like, "Okay," I it was at the same time we were doing the shaban I was like, "Amazing, this was gonna be my second book. What if we do that as the first? It sold immediately. Again, when I say it's sold, I got a book deal. I got pennies.
1: Yeah. Like my they my, thought it would just be a small They thought it book. was
0: niche. It's something yeah. they gotta do to hit a quota. They throw yeah. it out, I'll sell it to a couple of Jews, and we'll call it a day.
1: Yeah. I
0: always knew it was gonna be big. Like I just yes. like I have these delusions in my head and when I have like a delusion, I like it just needs to become reality. But I'm dealing with you have this to right put,
1: now. You have to put the steps in, you know? It is Oh, correct. And and so correct are I'd love to hear what those steps were to make it because of course they were th- thought it was just gonna sell to the, to sort of the grandmas and a few followers and whatever else. How did you make it into New York Times bestseller?
0: I will say the core is like the recipes are amazing. Yeah. I, I think that's really, we look, we live in this age where like social media is great, but it's all about word of mouth.
1: Word yes. of mouth is still the strongest
0: yes. thing. And and like a, an Instagram post is like nice. And helps gain, gain awareness and brand awareness is so important, but to get people to pass that threshold of buying something like I need a recommendation. That's why it's like, I'm not looking at, I don't know, TikTok videos to find the restaurants in New York. I want to go to, I want to hear it from a friend that I trust. I want to yeah. hear it from a friend, being like, Oh my God, I just went there. It was amazing. Great. Now I'll go. I see some random 23 year old on TikTok being like, this is the hottest restaurant in New York. No interest, no yeah. interest, because we live in this world where it's about the community. It's about kind of getting in and and having that idea of like what is hot. It's what we saw, we seen like it's what we see on Broadway. It's what we see on in comedy. It's like literally what just happened. Like again, one of my closest friends is Alex Edelman has his one man show on Broadway right now. The success of that is through word of mouth within yes, the Jewish community.
1: I've been told not, about it, not just it. seeing
0: yeah. about it. It's about Seeing, knowing what it is and then having someone say, oh, my God, I saw it. It was hysterical with and my people,
1: book. Yeah. People that I never expected would even have heard it. Alex Edelman in London were telling me, have I seen it? And it's exactly. I understand that. And, and, it, and, it, and I'm sure it was what you're saying with the book.
0: So it's like people make my challah recipe and then all of a sudden it's like what they talk about. It's like they make my apple and honey upside down cake for Rosh Hashanah. It's what they talk about. It's what they're sending to their family. It's what like people are are asking about it. And when you have that, that is the magic that really creates a true movement. And so it's nice to like, I've always, it's always so funny because people get so hung up about like lists, like best cookbooks, spring, fall, like all this stuff. I want to be on an individual's best cookbook
1: list. Oh, I want to be on
0: like your mother's sense. best cookbook list because wow. she is the one who is going to be telling her friends, buying buying them as presents. Like that is what I want. And I want it on a very granular individual level. And then past that, it's like the network I built. So it's figuring out like, who are the people that I was going to partner with to like, send the book to, to cook for, like, in a way that's organic. I'm not someone that, like, tends to do a ton of partnerships with strangers just to do it, to do it. It's having that kind of, like,
1: relationship, banter.
0: That relationship and then leveraging that. Because at the end of the day, it's, like, friends want to support friends. Yes. Even if it's, like, a business type thing, it's, like, in the same way that I want to support my friends, my friends want to support me.
1: Yeah. And so you say you say that the 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 center the beating heart of why it's been such success is the recipes themselves no matter what pr machine or whatever you've got going on or anyone's it's recipes so do you put a lot of pressure on yourself like for the second book how did you like
0: yeah did you
1: (laughs) i've heard like the second book is a nightmare (laughs) if you've had a successful first
0: yeah (laughs) um Yeah, it's actually, I'm actually still like a little, a little like uh, freaking out because I put so much work into these recipes and they're amazing and I still make them and they're amazing. And yet like you always, you feel like you always have to step it up to the next level. And I definitely think I did with, with this book. It was like, I know visually I pushed it. Theme wise, I pushed it. I, I like put so much more time, energy, effort into it. And I'm so proud of it. But it at the same time with a book, so I typically take about two years to write a book. And I find that the most fascinating thing is is the evolution, where I create these recipes. Great. There's so many recipes from Jewish that now it's like, I do them kind of differently. Like, I've, I've, I have create iterations, new, new mm-hmm. ways. Like, they're all great recipes, mm-hmm. but they continue to evolve. Because I always say that, like, a cookbook is like a fashion collection. It's like spring, summer, 2021. <laughs> and uh, now I'm coming into fall, winter, 2023. And it's this little look into like what I was obsessed with for these two years. And then I continue to evolve and grow and change. Mm. Um, And the recipes live on, but like they also continue to like live and breathe, which is the best because it's not only just my growth, it's like the reader's growth. So, so many people take my recipes and then tweak them and change them and make them their own. And I love that. I love that because I, I'm not I'm not taking anything too seriously. It's not yes. like like oh, this is mine. You're king. It's yes. like no, do it like this is this is your framework. Take this. And the number one goal of you buying this book is that it's encouraging you to cook more for people you love and maybe celebrate Jewish food a little bit.
1: Yeah, and you and you've time. let it go. You're onto the onto the onto the next. By the time they're tweaking and doing what you what you'd conceived and the previous book I was going to ask what was I going to say when you were talking about yeah I was almost like it's an artist with seasons and you know for instance I've seen lately on Instagram your upside down cakes had a a season and then the cottage cheese has a season and obviously some of them obviously I've noticed with the upside down cakes they do so well in terms of variability does that affect to you when you see what people are loving on social versus what goes in your books
0: yeah i always say like my social is a little snapshot in why you should buy the book mm-hmm. so these are like simpler recipes things that are popular little bits of like getting to know me and getting to have that relationship of trust that if you make my recipes they're going to come out amazing so uh, that is, that is the the basis and then with the book, like, that's where I really get to have fun. I really get to go out. I, I get to push the, the bounds of, like, what you're actually going to be doing technique-wise. I have so much space to just, like, go wild. Mm. And, and I, I I do think that when we think of viability and, and all of that, like, I I love my arrows. I love the upside-down cake. I love cottage cheese. I love it. It was fresh pasta for a bit. It was avocado toast for a bit. <laughs> all these things. And yet, like, I do whenever something gets too viral I get bored of it and then I have to move on where it's it's just like I because at the end of the day it's like I don't want to be pigeonholed I'm that like annoying artist of like oh boring and you know everyone's if everyone's into it and making it and then it's like and then everyone starts copying because we live in a world of sheep. So everyone on TikTok, <laughs> then they see it, it goes viral, then they start making it, then their friend, and it really is that devil wears Prada, cerulean blue, where <laughs> you you start to see the trickle down, and then it's like, oh, wait, this one's person's pers- making my upside down banana. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, that's one's taking my cottage cheese, uh, cooking on, um, and, 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 yeah. and all of a sudden it's just like noise.
1: Yeah, it all
0: becomes noise, and then it's like, okay, I'm out, because at the end of the day, it's like people aren't in on the joke. There are two big jokes that that like that you have to be in on. First, the internet's not a real place. Instagram's not a real place. It's a beautiful way to to connect and, and, and see and understand different perspectives and get inspiration, but it's not a real place. One of the biggest things I've done in this past year, I can call you a friend because we have like put so much time and energy into quality time together in the real world. I do not believe that you should ever refer to someone that you are just a social media acquaintance with as a friend. To me, that's a, that's a pen pal and it's great. I think it's important to have those, but we are losing sense of like, what is actual physical connection and what is this make believe connection? So that's the first joke. The second joke is we're all clowns. You're on the internet. You're a clown. We're like, we are, we are entertaining. It's like, yes, there's, there's education, but in general, we're clowns. Like I always say, if you're not fixing climate change or curing disease, we're clowns. And, and it I helps, that's... yeah,
1: it helps understand why the creator, why we're doing what we're doing rather than taking ourselves too seriously on exactly. in such a ridiculous space, like you say, is the internet. And in a way, it kind of takes the pressure off as well, doesn't it? That's it. Can, yeah. It's
0: the best part. Yeah, You can't take yourself too seriously. This is all about having fun. And and that's where it's like I get to lean into the Jewish joy. And that's why both Jews and Gentiles alike can relate. Because this is joy. These are dynamics. This is why you see like franchises like Seinfeld and The Nanny go nationwide popular. Even though they are so specifically niche to Jewish New York. It's because people get to see themselves into these characters and their dynamics. And that's the magic. The Mm magic is not making them obsessed with like judaism it's making them obsessed with these concepts that are so parallel to their own lives
1: and how does the social media clown marry up with the almost like iconic historic place in history cookbook you know it's kind of
0: yeah I think one of the things that I do very differently, I get so many cookbooks, so many cookbooks, and they're like gorgeous cookbooks and they're brilliant recipe developers throughout the world. Like I'm I constantly in awe of everyone. The one thing that is missing from most cookbooks I get is like, Narrative. Mm. So it's these. It's a beautiful recipe. It could be a thoughtful, inventive recipe that I look at. i literally. I just got a. I was at a friend's for dinner, and he had a copy of another friend's cookbook. It was in London, actually. And there was, and I, I hadn't seen it yet. And I got to go through it. I'm looking at these recipes, and it was just like full of inspiration. And like the recipes were were gorgeous. It was just like I was. I was like filled with nachos for him because it was mm-hmm. just amazing. However, like there wasn't a ton of narrative, like the head notes are super short. It, it, it's more so he, this is one of the most incredible collections of recipes, but for me, a recipes 50% and 50% is the story that goes with it. So when I think of like my mission and like number one mission is just like, be good for the Jews. Very broad yeah. one that like, I got to like, great. Like, I'm not looking to do anything. Like I'm not taking on, I'm not looking, Trying to be like Martha or have like this crazy empire. It's like I just want to be good for the Jews, mm-hmm. chill out, like be like I'm like, yeah. I have a I'm beautiful a life, life. My husband, like that. Yes. I, I don't, I don't need a lot of the bells and whistles. I just need to be able to sustain a comfortable lifestyle. Bell-
1: yeah, bells and whistles doesn't equal happiness. I think that's a myth we got to bust as well. You know, exactly. Martha's empire is not going to make you happy. <laughs> not going to make anyone and, happy. And,
0: and, but well, some people that's what they want, and like the in in the real my favorite uh, arabic expression from my mother-in-law like go with god like if that's if that's (laughs) what brings you happiness go for it for me it is creating a space in which i have as much free time as i can like i don't work on fridays because of the fact that i spend the entire day cooking for Shabbat, Mm. and that is something that like i will do whatever it takes in order to maintain that space for me Mm. i want to maintain space that i can whenever i get invited to someone when i I want to see alice's show on broadway or this person's concert or this person's whatever that i have the bandwidth to then bake them a cake bake them some cookies like throw together something that expresses love through nourishment and if i don't have that time in addition to the fact that i'm like at the gym for two hours a day like (laughs) if i don't have the time to do all of that then what's the point
1: well it's easier said than done isn't it i mean i think we all want to have that much time and you know everybody wants to take our time away whether it's our people in our work our family our loved ones oh can you just do this you? how do you protect it so well i mean obviously maybe just work wise tell us how do you how do you protect that time for yourself i mean i'm sure opportunities come your way and you're really tempted but then you think yeah. about that friday or the fact that you do want to have the bandwidth so how do you, what, what's your lens for that one? <laughs> I'm very selective.
0: I think that's one of the, be- like, I'm in this really interesting place where I've always been in this hybrid world of traditional media and social yes. influencer. Yes, and please. I don't refer to myself as an influencer. Even though it's like, I'm just like, I'm a cookbook author with a little bit of cloud on the internet. Yeah. Great. It's the best place to be. And the reason being is then I create these long-term contracts with my publisher to write books that sustain like that is my those are my paychecks. So I am not reliant on social media to be doing tons of like branded partnerships and this and that. And I have gotten some offers for like crazy amounts of money for things that just like I could not swallow actually doing. Yeah. It just it wasn't it did not feel right brand wise to be doing stuff like that. And I said no. And I think the important thing is is that I am not trying to just say yes and build And build and build and try to create this like crazy thing with all right, now that I have a million followers, how do I get to five million followers? Like, no, 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 no. no. I've worked very hard. How do I double down and create deeper engagement with everyone I've done? And how do I focus on the work itself?
1: So that's gold. It's not, um, yeah, we live in a world of more, 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 a million. Next, what's the next goal and what have you? So when you said about, turning down big offers because they weren't in alignment that didn't feel you know an integrity i get that entirely it's uh, to me that's a hard no what about the ones that are in line with you but they would impact on your time you know that's what i'm more interested time is our most precious commodity and the fact that you say fridays are for you you want to have the time to do this to have the this is precious stuff help us all have a bit of that (laughs) (laughs)
0: I think one of the blessings is that now I live in this world I think that's the difference like social media like the internet never goes to sleep I'm in a place where I'm project oriented so I have a book that comes out every two years and I know I'm going to have like a couple of weeks of a crazy book tour and that's going to be insane and like that's kind of exactly what you're talking about where I have offers I will say compared to my first tour I'm about to announce it'll already be announced by the time this comes out but I'm not doing I think I'm la- I'm like launching my tour with six cities okay I'm doing New York I mean New York New Jersey so it's like kind of two LA San Francisco Atlanta Toronto
1: keeping I it to the states on, this time <laughs> I will
0: add on as I see fit as yeah. what comes up as what makes sense but for me my first time around I said yes to everything sure. and it burnt me out And this is something, like, I will share. And this is, like, a very common thing where it's, like, it's both a blessing. Um, When you create art that people relate to, you then become this vacuum for emotional energy. Where all you want to do is connect with people. And they share their stories about how your work resonates with them. And that's both in a positive way of people who have been, like, I would, I, had walked away from Judaism for so long, and now I'm back to like, emo- like really heavy stuff of like, like I made this recipe with my brother before he passed. He loved it. It was like our last memory cooking together. Was your food? And it's like, and these are all beautiful things that I then absorb.
1: Yeah, and it's like in and,
0: and in in hundreds of people every day for a couple of weeks, and it, it is one of the most. Hey, it's it's so rewarding but it's also just so taxing that I, I gotta protect by my, 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 do. my space do. in that way
1: and it's awareness you know like you say, of course the first time around no one would of be course. saying no it's my first book no I'm not going to do it so but it's 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 really and I love
0: these stories and that's yes. the only thing is that I want to make myself the best possible version of me to be connecting with everyone yes. and that's just by like when I if I just put a little bit of limitation to how often how many places then I get to really double down and like be present with these people and be at like 100% energy. And that's all I want. That's all I want is to be like, I want people to feel the joy and have it be like palpable, which is, is truly what I believe I'm able to do. And the only way I can do that is if I am like getting to the gym, like making sure yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping, making sure that yes. that's, you it's almost so have crucial. to
1: train like an athlete would train, you know, for this tour, because you've got to be on top on, on physically, mentally. So let's talk about the new book. First of all, how did the name I Could Nosh come about and tell us a bit more about what yeah. we So expect? So
0: it'll, it's very in line with my clown mentality of, <laughs> of I Always want the titles of my books. It just happened last night where I was at dinner with friends and and someone was talking to someone and I told them the title of the first book and like oh it's the second book and they like they laugh. I want people to smile and laugh when they hear the titles of my books. So every time I have a book, it's got to be something that's like that's relatable, something yeah. that would come a convert a, a term that comes up Jewish. Why? Because everyone was for, for like I feel like for my parents' generation of first generation American secular Jews. Jewish was the way that everyone described themselves yeah this next book is kind of moving from my first which I think was really about entertaining and Jewish holiday and Shabbat and and this kind of idea of like reclaiming Jewish ritual and now the second book is like okay we're come we've come out of the pandemic we've all reevaluated like our prioritization of connection with others how do we bring back grandma hospitality so mm-hmm. so the, the, this book really it's a love letter to my grandmother it's a love letter to to the the really the women of my family and my husband's family mm-hmm. because it, it's about someone's coming over a friend's coming over for coffee this like how do i turn my kitchen into the center of hospitality in my life so instead of going out to to the coffee shop to the bakery to this come over and these are the recipes, so you're always ready to entertain a couple of people, a lot of people, okay. like so that you can that. just do it. So it's just <laughs> broken down into like so. The first thing is is I'm like I love challah, and I blew up my challah section because I do think that like Good. always having challah every week mm-hmm. is the number one way to change your life and add a meditation practice. Add. Uh, An ability to really extend love to people because like baking fresh bread for someone is one of the most intimate things you can do. Yes. And so what I do is then I, I like master this one of dough and then these are all of the things you can do from it. So it's like, you can go traditional and bake two loaves or you could split the dough, bake one into a loaf of challah, make one into monkey bread, make one into pigs in a blanket, make one into burger buns for summer grilling. Like there's so much you can do. Uh, and then it goes into like breakfast, Here are 10 schmear recipes so that you just have to buy some bagels and have something that feels still homemade and a little bit elevated. Here are the soups, salads and sandwiches to have like a casual lunch with someone or just have food ready in the fridge. The entrees are split into recipes that are done start to finish in under an hour or like huge project recipes. That yield tons of leftovers to keep in the fridge and freezer. When I first told the concept of the title to my mother-in-law, she's like, "Oh, so they're all snacks." And <laughs> I had to, I had to make her rethink. Because when I was like, "What?" Like when I think of of her inspirations in this book, when I go to her house, "Oh, are you hungry?" Yes. So I could nosh, which is the response to "Are you hungry?" It's never a snack. It's that she has spent days making stews rices grains salads and then she keeps them in bulk in her fridge and freezer so she yes. could just heat you up a bowl yeah and to me i was like i wanted a section of recipes of like what are the things that on a sunday i'm gonna make something big and then i'm gonna pop it in the freezer someone's coming over great i can heat something up i'm gonna have it in the fridge for the week so it's like i can feed people at will and then for the desserts it's Snacking cakes and cookies because that's like the true grandma mentality of just having something sweet out on the counter. So, someone's coming over, something to serve with mm-hmm. some coffee.
1: I want to invite you to hang out with me day and night inside my community, Smashing Life. It's my private community for Jewish women, it's filled with hundreds of like minded Jewish women like you. We don't do labels, we don't do judgment, it's just pure, authentic connection. And we're all there to meet our new Jewish besters and have a good time. So I'm gonna hand over to Ashley, who's one of our members, to tell you a bit more about it. But just bear in mind that if you wanna try it out, you can, just use code JEWISHJOY at checkout and you'll get a free one month. That's JEWISHJOY at checkout. Go to smashinglife.club and put that code in. Now let's hear from Ashley so she can tell you what it's like. So my favorite thing about being in Smashing Life is that it provides access to basically a group of friends where it's safe to share things that are good, that are bad, and things that you would never share publicly like, I just took a pregnancy test and it came back negative. Everybody commiserate with me or someone at work just threw me under the bus. You know, people are so supportive Or you get to share something positive like, hey, I just got a promotion at work, but I can't share it yet because it hasn't been announced yet. You can just share everything with each other. Just your group of friends supporting you for whatever you need. It's so special. So there you have it. That's Smashing Life. Come on in. I want to hang out with you in there. I want to get to know you. Just go to smashinglife.club and use code JewishJoy for your free one month. Was I your an uh, and- avatar for the book or something? Because like, this is, me- I need this book. <laughs> that's what just- I'm saying. And again, it kind of feeds into what we were saying earlier about lack of time. You know, we don't have that precious time, but when, but we want to nourish our loved ones. We want to show that we want to, we want to have fun with the cooking as well. I love what you said about monkey bread is my daughter's favorite cake. So that's straight on, straight in. with some monkey you, bread.
0: I have so many incredible recipes in this book. My family, my friends, no one freaks out like they do over the challah monkey bread. It is so easy because you're already making your challah dough. You're already doing that. And instead, you're just splitting it and and using some to make the, monkey the other. monkey
1: bread is so good. Like, I can't imagine challah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Straight in there. Um, but seriously, who was the avatar? Like, who who do you have in mind when you're developing the recipes?
0: You. Ah. that's that's it it's like it is (laughs) it is for this generation of jews that again they they think they don't have time but really it's not that they don't have time it's that they haven't prioritized cooking and hospitality in the grand scheme of their lives which is like we
1: haven't got it into a the habit like you say it's like exactly and and also I want to have fun when I'm cooking. Like, so often when I'm cooking, I'm cooking because I've just got to, I want to do a quick dinner. Here it's on the table. And just bringing that back, you know?
0: And my my response to, so like, I, my introduction, funny enough, talks a lot about how, as a society, one of the things I hated about my first book and the press was this question I kept getting. I got two questions every Go time.
1: Go on, what were they? And the
0: first one was, what's next? Which was infuriating because like I just put my heart and soul into a project and it's always like great this is wonderful bigger better faster keep it going and then the second question is when are you gonna move uh, now that you've done this book when are you gonna like move away from Jewish food into like a general cookbook which like always it came up so often and I was just like what a just like I would always throw it back of like would you say that to like a chef of any other to italian to a chinese chef to a uh, to like a middle eastern yes. like what is that like what is that reasoning behind that other than like jewish food is considered lesser when i'm going to upgrade to general food instead of my goal which is to make jewish food in the same caliber as anything else so um, how,
1: how do you i'm really interested to learn how you are able to break free from the perception that Jewish cookbooks are niche and just for Jewish audience. And, you know, you've gone, whether it's intentional or not, you've, you've captured that prime time kind of vibe, that prime time engagement, a real interest in Jewish food amongst a wider non-Jewish audience. And I really feel like it is kind of breaking down barriers, what you've done. How, how were you able to do that?
0: Yeah. A lot of it just takes money, what do you I will mean? say. <laughs> so one of the big things that was a huge part of this book was the investment I made into the art program, so the photo shoot. Yes. And yes. I think typically I'm in a great place because after my first book did so well, I was able to get renegotiate the, my contract for, my next, for this one, and I was able to put a lot more resources towards a real blowout photo shoot. Oh. So I wanted one of the biggest thing was (laughs) I wanted everything. I want Jewish food to look like as flashy as every other big cookbook you get. Because too often, when you think of these niche cookbooks, here's it becomes th- th- this this vicious cycle where it's like, okay, it's a niche cookbook, so it's given little resources. It's given little resources, so like the pictures are lesser because yes. the, like you had to cut. You don't have the budget for a crazy shoot. Maybe not every recipe has a photo. This that million one things that play into it. As a result of that, it continues the cycle of like this is what we assume Jewish food looks like. This is what we assume these cookbooks are in terms of quality. And for me, it's like, how do I really inject a ton of capital into making this look as incredible as possible with lockers on the cover, with all of the, the, the flashiness, while at the same time staying true to what it is. It's not about putting, I think there's this is also like, it's not about like making it mainstream it's about changing what mainstream is mm-hmm. so a lot of that comes to using using social to be like great i know people are going to love these recipes why because they're adjacent to things that they have in their minds so much of food and culture around the world it's similar ingredients done in different ways same techniques but just a little bit different a different spice blend different this different that yes. and like it's like to beat i have a to beat, i have my, my husband's family's to beat recipe in this new book for anyone who doesn't know it's an Iraqi Jewish Sabbath dish of chicken and rice seasoned with baharat it's chicken and rice every culture has a chicken and rice dish so when you see this it's just it's everything you know with 30% different <laughs> and when you are able to use that kind of mentality to present food and create that like create that connection of like you're going to love this because you already love so much about it it's just this is how we do it and, and, that, and that's like great
1: are your husband's is your husband's family iraqi or persian or, or mixed
0: they're iraqi but they, all the jews of iraq left and they all settled in iran ah. his mother grew up in between israel and iran
1: so you know my my heritage is iraqi yeah, yeah. so yeah. i'm just trying to think how you know when you talk about the grandmas and the aunties with all the food and the freezer ready to, you know this is my family how does the, your family feel about seeing Tibet in, like, this glamorous, gorgeous 2023 cookbook? Like, that's interesting. I love that. Yeah.
0: It's funny because they still have... And again, it's this internalized viewpoint where they still don't get why people would want to make... There's, like, these are yes. just the recipe. These are just what we make. Yeah, like, we just, just throw it in it's the just pan. And, who would, yeah. would want to make this? Who would yeah. want to do this? It's like, it's funny. There's this other... I, I talk a lot, and a lot of it is like this, these narratives and this education, especially about Iraqi Jewish cooking, because so much of it is is influenced by Indian cuisine, since the Jews managed the spice trade with India. So, like, there is this one stew that I love that my mother-in-law makes, misa Potata, and it's just like it's a meat and potato stew. It's like a curry. It, okay. it, it uses like the Iraqi version of curry powder, so it's their spice blend, and it's just chicken potatoes carrots green peas in like some stock cooked down with tomatoes it is as simple as can be it's one of my favorite things and my mother-in-law she's like what are you talking about why would you ever put that in a cookbook <laughs> and and i made it for the shoot and i have had all these friends coming and, and picking stuff up and giving out leftovers <laughs> the way people were going crazy for this stew because it's so familiar and yet different because it's this that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing about jewish food is like it touches so many different cultures based on our like on our travels throughout the diaspora that it's both familiar and foreign at the same time it's not a monolith that's why it makes it so messy to describe and people get so angry about jewish food but Mm -hmm. like
1: was it intentional yeah, yeah. that you that you didn't have, because I'm just thinking about this is the kind of book I can see myself giving to non-Jewish friends. You know, your your first yeah. book I've given is a gift to Jewish friends. I haven't thought about giving it to non-Jewish friends, but there's this one friend I'm thinking about which already I want to give to your second book. And I was just wondering, was it intentional not to have the word Jewish in the title or was that just- Yeah, I screen?
0: have it in the subtitle. I think the, the, the main reason I didn't want to have it in the title is that it's so much more. It's yes. so much more than that because it is—it's about a Jewish value versus yeah. Yeah. Jewish food. So that's something that I always talk about: is we think about Jewish culture and 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 our cuisine, and so much of it is this continued tradition of letting the recipes evolve based on where we live. So we look at like the concept of Israeli food. Israeli food is this, this conglomerate of of dishes and ingredients from north africa and europe and the middle east all crammed into the levant with the native dishes and ingredients and what happens so you see a a, a dish of like uh, you see like like sabih, which is the iraqi breakfast stuffed into a pita which is more of the levant topped with amba which is iraqi via india but and tahina which is from ethiopia and then you have the the, the slug, which is from Yemen, and all of a sudden it becomes something Israeli really because it's just made up of a million and one other things. It's the same thing in New York where you think of we talk about Ashkenazi food like it's like we were this like in this one shtetl. We were spanning the continent, and we have different like the yekkas of, of, of Germany were like making very different like individualized dishes from the Jews of Austria, from the Jews of of Poland, from the Jews of Russia. And yet in New York, they've converged into one type of cuisine. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy. I think it all comes down to marketing. It's like, we've been able to market Ashkenazi food as Mm -hmm. just one thing, one catch-all for all of these dishes that span all of these different communities. And now it's like, I want to see how does that evolve in New York? Mm-hmm. how does that evolve as we continue to mix with different cultures as we continue to to explore identity as we continue to modernize based on where we're settling what does that mean for the the evolution of moxiball soup of challah yeah. of of, of kogel like that is the fud because what is new and modern and and, and unheard of today is going to be commonplace in tradition tomorrow
1: and I have to ask you, you know, there's so sadly still a lot of judgment within Jewish community Mm -hmm. and you put, I think, did you put bacon in your first book? I think you did. I did. And like, what was the, would you care about, you know, what people think like, when you're making recipes, you think, "Uh, oh, they're going to get me for this one. Or, you know, the, there's not enough safari in there. There's not enough Ashkenazi. Why is he only going once a Like, how did you let any of that affect you in your work?
0: No, I will say it's funny because I, I'm actually I've become more and more cognizant of that in this book. I think I only have one. I only have one real tray for in the entire book. It's 115 recipes, only one tray there, there. And then there are like two others that are tray optional because I'm very big in beef bacon right now. I just I actually like <laughs> it more than, than regular bacon. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it is doing a disservice to the conversation on the evolution of Jewish food to ignore how it's evolved in New York, especially with the secularization of Jews that bacon exists within our sphere of Mm. cooking yeah um to have this impact in a place like new york for like a bacon egg and cheese bagel like that is our impact on america is it kosher (laughs) no is it jewish yeah And, and i do think that that's that's part of this bigger conversation on like well what is this what is that And and yeah we make we make a loophole for everything the number of uh, all i have are jews and family members where it's like oh they won't they won't eat a pork chop but they'll eat bacon they won't yes. eat bacon but they'll have shrimp they how won't do you do kosher? like yeah. they they won't do they won't do they won't cook trafe in the home but if it's chinese food out in the, the restaurant it's okay it, it's like oh i won't there i know so many jews that are kosher will not touch beef unless it is certified kosher and yet a chicken parm once in a while (laughs) there there is like like it's and and to me it's like that's the same thing all go with god like that whatever you are comfortable with i'm comfortable with and that's why when i say i give these books as this this framework this this guide to like cooking i give options whenever i have something trained i'm like great and if you're kosher here's what you're going to do in this book, I'll say, I got very into, I have a lot of parv desserts. Okay. A lot of parv desserts, because that's something that kept coming up and people were like yes. par, parv, parv. I will say like my big response to everyone is like, you gotta be eating less meat. Like, I think we need to be having more more dairy dinners.
1: But I find when I'm invited to Friday night dinner and I want to bring something, you know, desserts, something, bring. And then, like, I don't have enough ideas for part of desserts. And I'm not going to make a dairy dessert when I'm invited because I don't want to serve. So I got you. You got me. So tell me, how can we get our hands on I could Nosh? Is it coming out worldwide at the same time? Merch? Tell me everything. Tell me the deets.
0: Yes, the tour, so it comes out a lot comes out September twelfth. Yeah, so it's very exciting because um, it, that's like a couple of days before Rosh Hashanah, and that was a very conscious decision because it's, it's so funny. <laughs> go on, go on. Um, originally, my my publisher wanted to come out on September fifth, and as I've explained with you, I'm in this fire island chair with. The absolutely incredible comedian, Moni, and his husband, Leon, of the podcast. Of friends.
1: friends of the podcast, and, I say.
0: and literally, I was just like, oh, I'm i i am on vacation. I can't, like, just <laughs> come back from Fire <laughs> Island on Tuesday and just, like, get rolled into life, like, sunburned and like, all disheveled. I was like, we got to push this a week. So we pushed it a week to September 12th, and that's a couple of days from Roshana. One of the things was like, all oh, right, well, what are we going to do with the fact that people are getting this book on the 12th and they only have a couple of days before the holidays? And I was just like, great. I did last time my book, I made this this Passover Haggadah because it came out right before yes, I Passover. That.
1: that was so fun.
0: So with this one, I was like, great. If you pre-order and it'll already be available by the time this podcast comes out, you pre-order this book from anywhere, but hopefully an indie bookseller, because that is the best the best way to support me is to purchase it from an indie seller and not the big one but if you do you'll unlock a link to upload your pre-order receipt and download a digital ebook of like my little spiel on rosh hashanah Mm. as well as like eight recipes eight of my favorite rosh Hashanah recipes so that a you can start cooking from the book immediately a month before it comes out and b you could be Totally ready and prepared for your Seder. Your Seder, um, your Rosh Hashanah meal. Your Rosh Rosh Hashanah meal. Same same, (laughs) thing. I got you, same same, 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 thing. You got me, you got me. Um, So your Rosh Hashanah meal. And I'll tell you, like, these recipes crazy. I have a new brisket recipe that's amazing. Yeah. It's it's like, I call it Jumami because it's like everything umami. It's like full of mushrooms and soy (laughs) sauce and balsamic vinegar. So it's like. It's like you are sweet. king of the
1: puns aren't you you like a clever clever little the name cl-
0: clowns love puns yeah yeah, um, yeah. it's like <laughs> so it's like a new brisket recipe i have this dish it's called soupless chicken soup and the whole idea was my husband named it that and yeah. it's a roast chicken with all of the flavors of like matzo ball soup. so it's over oh, like oh, a yeah. combination of all the vegetables that you would find in chicken soup with parsley and dill and it's it's just
1: i am it's salivating. like it's, and it's one
0: it's one pan For like dessert, I have a Tsimis cake. The Tsimis cake is beyond because it's like, so it's like a play on carrot cake, complete. The cake itself is parv, frosting's not, but you could play around with that. But it's carrot, sweet potato, and prune. That's amazing. I have a caramelized honey bunt cake for Rosh Hashanah. I have this easy apples and honey snacking cake. It comes together in one bowl, completely parv. So it's like one of the, the dumbest, easiest recipes that you could throw together in minutes and everyone goes crazy i okay, will say uh, this, i'll give you one story i'll give you one story for for from the fire island house is that we have this we we call it we call it the the the, the katie Couric tupperware because i have i i've become close with katie couric the icon journalist and last time i was i was cooking in her apartment she wanted to pack me up some stuff and she gave me this tupperware that i I need to bring back for eventually but it's just like a really good big tupperware old one and we've like it's become my new tradition is like every time i started this the first week by accident and it's become a tradition where every time i come out i bake a cake that like and i fill the tupperware so it's a tupperware full of cake and it sits on the counter and we pick at it throughout the weekend and it's very much in line with what this book is about of having something sweet to pick at and How I do you eat a
1: Tupperware book? Box full of cake and have guns like you've got. And oh, everyone's everyone's seen the challah, the topless challah video. <laughs> Another secret that we're revealing on today's podcast. How do you do that? Snacking cake. It's moderate. And- <laughs> it really is
0: moderation. I'm like, I'm someone. I'm like, I am someone that like i can not cut anything out. Anyone who's like, oh, I'm going gluten free. I'm doing this. back no. Like yesterday, first thing I did was I I biked to my favorite bagel shop and ate two bagels, and then I went to the gym, and then yes. I like yeah. I had a light lunch and then a light dinner and balance. Then, like, and like the cake, I will say. Also, a lot of these these baking recipes, they're not so like that apples and honey cake. It's most of my cakes now, especially when I'm into par baking. They're olive oil based. Yes. Um, the sugar is not crazy. Tastes so good, yeah. So I'm I'm a big believer in in treating yourself and not going crazy because I am someone who can like crush a pint of ice cream in one <laughs> sitting. So it requires just like a little bit of discipline to have one portion and not. yeah
1: i mean obviously i mean i've been uh, we've we've been out for dinners and stuff jake loves his food so it's evident but like how you have that balance with the gym and the motor i mean it's it's fabulous we all we all need to i will say
0: everything is discipline people all the time they tell me there are going to be people listening to this podcast and they're going to be thinking in their head oh this is so nice i'll get the book i'll give it as a gift but i can't cook And to me, that is the that is like the craziest thing you could ever tell yourself. Nobody is an Olympic athlete overnight. No one is even fit overnight. You think about going to the gym, be like practicing yoga, uh, learning a language, taking on any hobby. It is a discipline that just requires this uphill battle of learning. And, I, and the more you do it, the better you get. And then all of a sudden it's like one day you wake up, you realize like, oh, I'm a great cook. People love coming over for dinner. And it just comes to like, what do you want to invest your time in? What's going to bring you happiness? For me, the joy around seeing people eat my food. And this is only like, this just actually happened the last time we were in Fire Island, that a friend who was staying with us was also like a former private chef. So he like took over mm-hmm. dinner one night and I was this was like one of those rare occasions in which i had my hands out and was just cooked for yeah and to see that see to, to like experience what i do to others was a little freaky because it's very rare <laughs> that we get invited out to like people's homes in the cook people
1: for maybe are embarrassed because they're like oh.
0: they, i mean but it's like that's the thing is they're embarrassed but that's just preventing them from extending love it, to me it's never about exactly you're not sitting there judging it yeah exactly it's about the fact that you've welcomed me into your home and you are nourishing me that is it's intimate it's magic it's what I I crave
1: yes oh well listen to God I mean I expect you to have lots of dinner invitations after this this hopefully (laughs) so we, we we wanna, so we can pre-order it when the when the podcast comes out on August 8th, we can pre-order it on Indie Bookseller. But then if anyone's listening to this from September the 12th onwards, you can buy it and get it delivered or buy it in the bookstores. I'm sure it's in- Wherever
0: books are sold, I'm sure we'll end up having a an international link, which I love. So it'll be like the link to get like a book shipped anywhere in the world, which is always important because we have Jew- little pockets of Jews all over this incredible planet. Um, but mainly the first launch is obviously america canada i'm so hoping because i do have a crazy offer for my london book party yes so
1: please and then will you come for happen. dinner at my place
0: of course ah! of course alex
1: will come too
0: Yeah, it's London, exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
1: We're just having our ground floor completely renovated, so we're going to have the new kitchen, the whole. it's going to be stunning, and I want you sitting there.
0: (laughs) Can't wait!
1: I can't wait. London, London, London! Please, please, I'm going to hold you to it. So we're going to end on our quick fire round. Just before I do, I know you love your merch, and I think it's also really smart on a business level as well we all want to i, I just think my, merch brings some brands to life beyond the books beyond the instagram centers is there going to be merch that i could nosh
0: eventually yes i might right now my focus is on that and the obviously my my pride and is my line of big goods and gold belly, yes, so, I gold didn't belly so in america obviously we have gold belly which is one of like the best Uh, companies for shipping food from your favorite restaurants around the country um so they reached out and we created this line of challah uh birthday cake babka black and white cookies really like all of all the things that like i wanted to have as and signed copies of all my books um i wanted to have something where it's like you want to give a gift you want to bring someone a little bit of love sometimes you don't have the ability to like see them in person like how do you do that how do you send the love of shabbat across the country and it's it's through this and it was super important because even though again we talked about the bacon in my books but it was super crucial that this line was certified kosher so every jew gets to enjoy it and it that's like i'm going to a shabbat one of my good friends' sisters is uh, Orthodox, and she we're invited to Shabbat on Friday in Crown Heights, and I'm like so excited because this is like my first Orthodox Shabbat ever really? uh, as a guest. And she was like, "Yeah, but you can't bring anything." I was like, "No, no, no, no. I can bring dessert." <laughs> and I'm bringing I'm bringing my vodkas and and cookies mm. because it's served by kosher, and then everyone gets yeah. to enjoy. And that's the that's the goal is to just like we are all. We are all cousins. We're all part of the same community, no matter how we look, no matter how we celebrate. It's like to find ways to just bring us together is what I want.
1: We're going to go far and I've got, to, I'm not going to ask you what's next. Cause I, I don't, I'm so into this current period. I'll, I'll yes. wait for what's next when it comes, but just on a personal level. And, you know, I know you talk about vision and you know, you know, you work towards things and you see them and you make them happen. Is there anything you want to share? Maybe it's private and you don't, but anything you want to share, like what you see yourself in a year's time or five years time or anything like, like that, that comes to mind.
0: Yeah. There are a couple of projects in the works and in, in the, the form of, of, a show. A show? Which might, like, yeah, we'll see. Like, again, it's all, I'm a big believer that, like, nothing exists until you could press play on your remote. um So <laughs> I, I, I just really think that, like, <laughs> it's something where if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, also great. I, there's this, like, great Oprah interview where she, when she was, her show was going from regional in Chicago to national, where he's like, well, what if it, what if it's, um, if it isn't a success? She goes, oh, it will be. And, and, he goes, well, what, what if it isn't? She's like, well, then I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. Because her value is not based on that. She knows what she does and and her value is not derived by, by those kinds of things. And, and I feel the same way. So oh. it's like, I can do exactly what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And dayenu, it would be enough. No. If these other things come about, God bless.
1: Oh, I'm so pleased we kind of end on that note because you know, for all the fun and the laughter and all the big things we talked about, like it's exactly that. It's not enough. We've got, we have enough. We enjoying our day to day. It's enough.
0: So wealthy is the wealthy is the person who is content with what they have. That's one of my favorite lines my rabbi told me.
1: I love that. Who is it? Do we we do we need to attribute it to someone, or do we attribute it to you? If we if we we attribute it?
0: to Rabbi Eggy.
1: Rabbi Eggy, I might put that in my next Jewish joy journal on the quotes. It's it's so perfect. So we're going to end with a quick fire round. Jake, you ready?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, roasted tomato brisket or Iraqi beet kuba. <laughs> oh
0: wow! I'm always going to go again just because it's my. I, I'm always going brisket. I love brisket. My <laughs> husband would brisket. pick my. My husband would pick (laughs) kopa.
1: Your favorite Yiddish word?
0: Oh my god, I'm actually (laughs) (laughs) I've been using it so much recently. (laughs) It's so bad. Which one? Um, Zaftig. I like love using it for like What is that? curvy it's typically used for a woman like when someone's voluptuous i love using zoptic for men like it's just been like my new obsession is preferred like it's like like a like a burly man of zoptic i love it
1: i love that what is your favorite jewish holiday jake if you had to pick one
0: passover passover i love i i love the framework around it of what we're doing of of creating the space to talk about f- celebration of freedom and and creating this like true true edible journey into a discussion of symbolism and i think symbolism through food and judaism is one of my favorite parts of our traditions
1: and with jake's book you can also have passover food that tastes good as well like there you not, go that's it star of david or hi
0: it's funny, I actually just switched out. I was wearing my, I got a new thigh in Tel Aviv a few weeks you ago. Did? And I just put back my, my, my Magin David. I like both. And it's funny, we've collected so many that now my husband, where I'm sharing them with my husband, a lot of them were gifts to me for my birthday because I got hey. it. And now my husband has started wearing some of my, um, some of my charms. So even like he, he was wearing my thigh the other day and it's the first time that he's ever worn something like that and mm-hmm. i have his like he's this gold mezuzah from his grandfather that is amazing because it's like so it's so persian and gaudy and he doesn't <laughs> like to wear it and i love it like i put <laughs> it on and it just like feels right um so <laughs> anything as long as you're wearing something proudly Jeff.
1: oh wow what a collection it sounds like you've got jerusalem or tel aviv
0: tel aviv i love jerusalem but like tel aviv is a magic it's the only place I could be in the world of the New York.
1: I'm with you. I am with you. Um, finally, which three Jewish people, dead or alive, they can be dead or alive, but they've got to be Jewish celebs from the Torah, I don't care, would you invite to your dream Friday night dinner? You can have three people.
0: Wow. Wow. wow, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um, okay. So at the top of the list is Fran Drescher. She yeah. is. I think I personally believe Fran Drescher, and this is like, it's so funny. I feel like this is the one soundbite that is in every press thing I've done. Because Fran Drescher has done more for American Jewelry than I think any individual Because in America. Because she had truly taken a thing like The Nanny and made America fall in love with Jewish characters. Mm. Versus like a Seinfeld, which is like the crux of Seinfeld is that they're all bad people. Which is amazing and funny and 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 it creates that connection to judaism through laughter and humor but with nanny america fell in love with jews for the first like Mm -hmm. time on such a deep level so i think she's she is my my everything after that ina garden just because Ah. she uh, iconic what she's done she's been such a huge inspiration of mine and in and, and her career and, and everything I do is just like, she is exactly what we talk about where it's like, she's not looking for that crazy empire. She's looking to just do what she loves yeah. and share her passion of cooking for others. And like, that's oh, so amazing. Would that's you want one, her to cook the
1: dinner as well?
0: No, I want to cook for her. She needs to be spoiled. Oh, she needs oh. to spoil. <laughs> third, third, third. Uh, I would probably say Babs. Barbara yes. Streisand, just because like another one like a trailblazer Tra- like it, it's like this is the triumvirate of of jewish female icons
1: she is strength personified um so three fabulous jewish what was that yiddish word <laughs> zavtig or whatever for voluptuous.
0: no no they are not don't <laughs> do not call them <laughs> <Zabtig>. <laughs> what did
1: you say <laughs> that word was <laughs> it's like
0: curvy voluptuous. no but what's the like. yiddish Zaftig.
1: Zaftig. Zaftig. I can't believe I've heard that one. Where do you like unearth these words and then start using them in mainstream <laughs> conversation?
0: My grandmother, my grandmother spoke Yiddish. Um, yeah. You're still with so us, your grandma? She, unfortunately not, but she was, I, tr- when I tell you, truly, truly, oh truly, God. truly. We were so close. She lived in the village. Did she yeah, you know. to see
1: any of your success?
0: She, Yes and no. She lived uh, up until the... Up until I was really in the process of my first book. And she passed right before it came out, unfortunately. And it was just... It just... It, it, like, it, it was... When I see so many of the things I do, and she was so... She lived and breathed New York in a way that, like, I've inherited this, like, passion and love for the city. And she'd always call me and be like, Ah, oh, guess who I saw on the street today? And and she would she would just love to be like I would bring her to everything I would introduce her to every celebrity I know it it would be everything but she lives on she lives on she
1: does and she's she's proud all right so Jake I cannot wait to get my hands on I could not and get it all dirty from from using it so much I cannot wait and this has just been so much fun I hope our next conversation will be in IRL in real life. I'm sure it will be. But for now, we've got this beautiful podcast together and hopefully you'll come back on again, maybe next year in 24, we'll do another episode.
0: Whenever you want. (laughs) I
1: can't get enough of you. Um, All right, Jake, it's been great having you on the show. See you soon. Thank you if you want 30 ideas for instant jewish joy just go to your jewishlife.co slash joy it's my personal list of 30 amazing ideas to feel hashtag jewish and proud all day every day they're really easy ways and it's just a wonderful little checklist so head to your jewishlife.co that's co slash joy